Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Here, well, healthy, sound mind. We're knocking on wood on that one. Sound mind, amen, and hearts today. We're going to be turning to the book of Job, Job chapter number 13. Amen. Job chapter number 13. We're also going to turn to a New Testament scripture as well, so we're Going from both Testaments today, Job 13, we'll also be reading a verse from Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Job 13 and Hebrews 12. Amen. Bishop, can you grab me a folding chair, please? Amen. Last week, we finished up the past uh, three weeks, uh, 238 plan, repentance, baptism, the Holy Ghost. So thankful for what the Lord done in the past three weeks, yes. Amen. With the teaching and, and of His Word, and uh, we're grateful for that. Old time, old time preachers used to say this, and I still yet remember as an evangelist in some of our uh, sessions that we would have where we were being taught or seminared, so to speak. They'd always say, "You get what you preach." That's what they used to say. You get what you preach. You preach repentance, people repent. You preach baptism, people be baptized. Preach Holy Ghost, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so you get what you preach. And so that was, I think, to a certain degree proven in the past three weeks. Amen. You get what you preach. Amen. So thankful. Uh, Job chapter 13. And I'm just going to be a little teaching here today. And I might be a little bit outside of my normal fare, but that's okay. Job 13, verse 27. Verse 27. I want to preface this with, Job, of course, is going through a lot of problems. I mean, that's, that's saying it very generically. Going through a lot of problems. And so many different things are coming up on his life where he come to a spot where he almost felt like that, God, you got something against me, you know. And so whenever Job makes mention of this verse, verse 27, Job, in essence, is feeling like he's being punished. He's feeling like God's punishing him. And so here's what he says since he feels like that. Because evidently this was a common way to punish someone. He says, thou puttest my feet also in the stocks. Lookest narrowly unto all my paths. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my, upon the heels of my feet. So that's how Job was feeling this point in time in his life we turn over to Hebrews chapter number 12 Hebrews chapter number 12 first verse just following up the great faith chapter those who have went out started toward the land of promise by faith had children by faith Moses rather than to suffer the afflictions with the people of God and to have the pleasure of sin for a season all this by faith and even those who lost their lives by faith because they did everything that they could for God. They were cut asunder and 
all that by faith. Verse 12 comes in Hebrews 12 and said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with about with so great a cloud of witnesses. All these men and women have been recounted in chapter 12 that through faith have come to where they are, yet not received the promise, the Bible says. It says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. From these two passages this morning, I would like to teach this lesson called a measured gait. And that's not G-A-T-E, but a gait as in a stride, a walk, a manner of walk. A a measured gait. A measured gait. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us today in the next little while. Father, I love you. God, I appreciate you, Jesus, in this place. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you're able to help me. God, to reach somebody, Lord, in this place. God, bring an awareness, Lord, and understanding today. Help me, God, to meet the level, Lord, of every person, God, that's setting, Lord Jesus, in this church house this morning. God, I know, Lord, that you're faithful, Lord God. and Help me, Lord Jesus, this morning just to be as faithful, Lord, to you as you have been to me. God, and I not will fail, Lord Jesus, to thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, in this place this morning. I pray. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah and hallelujah. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen this morning. Thank you, Bishop. Hallelujah. Everybody doing all right this morning? Wonderful, wonderful. A few weeks ago, you know, the way the fair of our uh, uh, weather has been, it's been warm and it's been cold and it's been warm and then it's been cold and then it's been warm. And as a result of that, if you're the type of person that's had a tote that you put all your winter clothes in or your summer clothes in rather for the winter and then vice versa whenever it comes to different season, you have had one headache this winter. You have had one headache of having to go into the tote or the container to dig out. Because I know I've went from long sleeves to short sleeves, from coat to no coat. I don't know about anybody else. And so as a result of, and I'm not going to call, I know God controls the weather, but it's just confusing to us because it goes beyond our expectation of what we expect winter to be. And as a result of that, man, I, I get up every morning just checking to see what the temperature is going to be for that day. My kids ask me when I wake them up for school, particularly Mariah, because she picks out her own clothes, but Trevor hasn't yet got there yet. And, uh, but nevertheless, and that's probably a good thing, and nevertheless, and so she always asks Dad what's temperature going to be like today because she wants to know how maybe she needs to dress, you know, in layers, warmer, whatever. And so as a result of this confusion, Brother Mason, the other morning I was getting the kids uh, ready and breakfast and such, and nobody, that's just my fare, okay? I since I'm a pastor, I have the uh, perk, I should say, uh, to be able to do that with my children. So I just take advantage of it. And so I wake them up in the morning. We get breakfast and everything. And uh, sometimes it's always a dead run to get out the door. Uh, although they are awakened the first time very early enough to make that appointment. And I make my rounds again and again and again to try I am the snooze button, okay? I am the snooze button in the house for both Trevor and Mariah. I come back in every nine minutes uh, to tell them it's time to get up again. And so with that, I was already in the kitchen. I was waiting on them, making some hollers down the hallway that if you don't get in here, you're going to miss breakfast this morning, blah, 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 blah. And 
IRA gave the announcement of this is what the weather's, I feel like a meteorologist every morning. This is what the weather's going to be like today, so on and so forth. And here comes in Mariah. She has on an outfit that, that seems, you know, pretty much so warm. But then on her feet was flip-flops. Now, I know you have these type of people that you uh, see maybe at work or school or abroad that it doesn't matter what type of weather it is, they're going to wear flip-flops, right? But more than not, whenever it's summertime, people like to get out their flip-flops, right? Huh? I mean, some people, it's like, man, and I don't know if it's uh, because of the convenience, you can slip them on and you can slip them off, you know, type of scenario. Or maybe it's just that if your feet hot, your, if your feet are hot, your whole body's hot. So in the summertime, I got to have cool feet in order, you know, just to stay cool. And the awesome thing about flip-flops, I don't know if you noticed, they're very cheap. I mean, you can find some cheap flip-flops. I remember my wife has several flip-flops. God rest their souls. And I, I remember sometimes you can fly, you can find flip-flops for a dollar. I'm serious. And they got pink, they got pink, they got any color of the rainbow, you can find flip-flops. And so they're not cheap. Man, you gotta buy one of every color. At least that's the way I understand. That's what people tell me. I only have one pair of flip-flops. They're in this bag this morning. One pair of flip-flops. This is it. This is all brown. Isn't that great? Earth tone. You're gonna get dirty anyway. Right? My feet, it'll match my feet by the end of the day. Amen. Anyway, flip-flops. And so I, I need to do just a little, I need to do a little research this morning. All right? I need to do a little research. And if you don't mind, it's so warm in here, I'm going to put my flip-flops on. But I'm going to do a little research because they tell me that a person who constantly wears flip-flops, that it will actually change the way that you walk. If you constantly wear flip-flops and that is your normal fare for, for having something on your feet, it will change the manner that you walk. Not only will it, per se, change the manner you walk and how you walk, but it will also shorten your stride. In other words, if you would normally had, let's say, if you normally had a, uh, this, let's, I, I have a slice idea what my stride is. We're going to find that out, though. If you would have, as a matter of fact, I shouldn't have done that yet. If you'd normally have, say, a three-foot stride, if you wear flip-flops, that stride is going to be shortened. And what that means is it takes you more effort to travel the same amount of distance that you could have traveled if you didn't have flip-flops on. And so people who wear flip-flops, no wonder they're tired at the end of the day. Because they had to take more steps to get to where they were going than what they'd had if they had tennis shoes on. Is everybody doing all right? Brother Mason, if in that bag, if it's up here in the pulpit, Please, if you understand, I don't wear flip-flops very often, and my feet's going to look this white in the summer just as they do right now. <laughs> I, I guess flip, they say flip-flops are called flip-flops because of the flip-flop sound you get whenever you walk in them. But if you don't mind, I'm just going to, you just choose wherever I start to walk, and just take about a measurement, about five of my paces, if you don't mind. Can you do that? I'm just going to walk normally as I would walk with flip-flops on. All right. You all right? I'm just, I'm just going to walk. All right, you, you count whenever you want to, and I'm going to stop, all right? But, all right, is that good? Is this, this research and development, so this is very important to the welfare of the church, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> this is going to deem whether or not we're going to have flip-flops on Sunday in the summer. Do you got it? You think so? Okay. 
I'm not going to put my socks on because that's going to take too much time, but I'm going to put me some shoes back on. Everybody doing all right? Not only is your stride different, but have you ever noticed that when you walk in flip-flops, I'm talking about real flip-flops. I'm not talking about sandals that has something that keeps a strap back on your heel. Real flip-flops. You ever notice when you pick up your foot what your toes are doing? Huh? Your toes are pinching that little strap up front, curling, right, to keep the back of that down in the back. And you notice how your foot lands whenever you wear flip-flops? A normal foot, whenever it walks, is supposed to land from heel to toe. But whenever you wear flip-flops, it lands from toe to heel. I'm going to take another walk. Okay, I'm going to just take another walk. You want to walk? We'll take a, is this where I was? Come on, let's walk. No, I got to get my stride. You can walk here and do it. It's all, it, that's, that builds character at a very young age. <laughs> so I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to walk normal. My regular stride. Did you count? Did you see where I ended? Where did I end? Look at that. I mean, it's almost a foot. Oh, my goodness. That is a long way. Because I had something that was on my foot. Different. Oh, I'm going to put these back. I, gotta have, I have socks on, folks. This feels. I'm going to pull the sole on my feet. And so we understand them very plainly that according to what is on your feet, it can absolutely... And maybe, I don't know if anybody noticed my walk was different, but if you have a shorter stride than what you normally have, you're going to look different the way that you walk. Amen. You're not going to be able to go as far as you could normally. And they say if you wear flip-flops whenever you constantly wear them and your foot is doing all this compensation for your walk, that there are muscles in your legs, both bottom and upper legs, that are feeling pressure. Many people will start getting back pain as a result of wearing flip-flops, just because your body is trying to compensate for something that goes against the natural design of how you walk. Someone say amen. When we begin to read of this and we think about this in, God's, in, 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 in the science study that I read, not only does it cause back pain and leg pain and, and things of that nature, but they tell me this, that if you continuously wear flip-flops, thank you, you want to take a walk now? I got to do this. I got to be all right. Come on, buddy. Let's take a walk. You ready? Here we go. Wasn't that fun? I tell you what, you got that down pat. Yes, sir. Awesome sauce. There we go. Thank you so much. If, if you... You can sit down, Brother Mason. If you constantly wear flip-flops, and I'm not preaching against you all flip-flop wearers, but if you constantly wear flip-flops, they say when you wear a normal shoe, you listening to me? When you wear a regular shoe, if you constantly wear flip-flops, you will still walk as though you had flip-flops on. It will change your manner of walk. And it will shorten your... Even though you've changed shoes, you will still walk as though you had flip-flops on. Job here in Job 13 is speaking because he feels like he is in a mode that he is under some type of punishment. The common punishment he makes explanation of is he said that my, my feet are also in stocks, in stocks. Now, there were the stocks in the Old Testament times that 
you know, you think of a big plank of wood and the feet are sticking through and they bring it down almost like a guillotine and their feet sticking out one side of the board. There were times their hands were in there and their, their, their necks were in there. But there were other stalks that were similar to or almost like fetters that was almost like some type of clamp on your ankles and a chain in between. And what that did was they could regulate a, a, a servant's or a slave's walk or their gait by the distance that they would keep between the fetters that was on each leg. Sometimes they wouldn't just have it on both ankles, but they would just put a stalk or a fetter on just one ankle. And by doing so, they were limiting the ability or the distance that that slave could walk. As a matter of fact, from my understanding... These ones that they would just put on one ankle to use to punish, if you will, a person or a prisoner. There is historical record that they have had these on particular uh, servants in the West Indies. And they could weigh up to as much as 25 pounds. Now I know you all like to go out and get the 10 pound weights to put on your ankles to run and build up your muscles. But whenever you have that much weight that's just on one leg and not the other. That causes an imbalance. And what happened, everybody doing all right? What happened was these people that were being punished for whatever wrong they had done has that per se 25-pound weight on them. And so that would affect their stride. That would affect their walk. And over a period of time, they constantly have that on there. Their body would compensate for the weight. They could walk. Of course, it wouldn't be normal, but they got a little bit more use to having the weight. On their feet. Insomuch in the period of time that a slave would ever be released from his slavery. And the weight would be taken off. They said many times that slave would not be able to walk. Because his whole center of gravity would be off. Because for 10 years he walked with a weight. And in order even to get his walking ability back. They said periodically he would put the weight back on. He would put the weight back on just so he could feel like he had what had become a normal walk to him. It was only through a process of, of being able to do that that he finally got to a place where he'd get a center of gravity back, which was normal, which was the human normal, amen, for him and everybody else to be able to walk like he needed or wanted to walk again. The Bible says there in Hebrews, or in Job 13, he said, you put my feet in stalks. You look narrowly at my past. He says, thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet. He says, God, I feel like I'm being punished here. I feel like you, you, you have my gate that it is, it is set and that you have it measured. You've given me a measured gate that the way that I would normally walk and carry on with life is not normal anymore. You have, you have determined my walk, I feel like, because I've done something wrong. I've been punished. All this has happened to me. And so now you could almost, it, you could see my footprints in the sand and lay down a measuring tape and say, yep, that's Job or that's not Job because I'm the one that set his gate. I'm the one that set the manner, the distance, or his stride, the way that he could walk. The Bible then says over in Hebrews, chapter number 12, and I know those are two different scriptures, but in Hebrews chapter number 12, my mind went to this the other day, how the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Apostle Paul writing to 
the Hebrews, from my understanding, people who was well acquainted with shackles, people who were well acquainted with fetters and chains. As a matter of fact, whenever they were carried away into Babylon, we know through scriptures that they were fettered and they were bound. Many of them were even hand and foot bound. Amen. So these were people that were familiar with the terminology of having a fetter or having a stalk, even as Job spoke of. Having even a weight, if you will, on one foot, as Job spoke of. He says, let us lay aside every sin, amen, every weight and every sin which so easily beset us. Now listen, you do not have the weight if you did not have the sin. You hear me? Because the weight was the consequence of the sin. The weight was, the, it was, if you will, the punishment. It was the punishment for the sin. That's the reason why Job, when he's talking about he feels like he's, although he wasn't, he felt like he was being punished. He says, I feel like you put a weight or stalk on my leg. Because the common punishment for uh, someone that had done wrong is to put a stalk on them, which was going to affect the way that they walked and the manner in which they walked. But the writer of Hebrews says, you need to lay aside every sin and also the weight which so easily besets you. But here is the problem. Whenever you have been living a life of sin and you have that weight upon your life as a consequence, it affects the way that you walk. It affects your stride. It affects your gait. But here is the real difficulty. Whenever freedom is granted to you, when freedom is granted to you and that weight is released, you've been so long under the burden of that weight, all of us from birth, you've been so long under the burden of that weight that you can't seem to get your walk right now that the weight is gone. No, no, no. What I mean this morning is this. I understand. I understand. We come to God. We talked about repentance. We talked about baptism. We talked about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Yet there's people, and they'll tell me, I've talked to them, and they don't understand it themselves. Pastor McGee, why in the world do I still struggle? Why do I have such a hardship with X and Y, whatever it may be, of their past? Something that's lingering there that they can't get over and can't get through. I'll tell you this morning, by these simple stories, what it's all about you grew accustomed to walking with that on you you grew accustomed with walking with that with you with that being a part of your life and whenever Christ comes to set you free amen your center of gravity so to speak is off and you can't walk it doesn't feel like you're walking normal and you're not you have a new normal yeah. so you, you, it's like man I, I just can't even walk and here's what we do then because it's all off and we can't seem to get our stride right and it feels a little awkward we go back and take the way ourselves. we take the way ourselves, and we put it back on because it's like this don't feel right no it may not feel to what you are accustomed to but God is trying to bring you into a new normal Oh, someone say yes. Hallelujah. I don't understand, Brother McGee, why I keep going back to that. I don't understand why I keep doing that. I don't want that anymore. I've had this for years. It, it's just about a retraining of your walk. It's about a retraining of your way of life. He wants to give you a new stride. Listen to me. The old walk shortened your stride. The old walk was wearing you out to get to where you needed to go. But he's wanting to give you a new stride today. He's going to give you a longer stride so that you can get... 
They put that on the slave. They measured his walk because they didn't want him to get away quickly and they for sure did not want him to get to a place where he could have freedom. Hallelujah. But God has showed up in this building today. Amen. Those of you that's been born again of the water and the spirit are those that desire it. He's wanting to unshackle the stock, unshackle the fetter, unshackle the chain and give you a measured, a new gate today. Someone say amen. A new stride. Because your whole existence has been compensating for the weight all along the journey. Person in flip-flops, if you were to take x-rays of their legs and their back and their body, it's going to prove that they've been trying to compensate for something that's been regulating their manner of walk. And so what we, we deal with when we come to the Lord, we've had something for the years of our existence since birth that's been regulating our manner of walk. Our whole body, our whole lifestyle has been compensating for the weight. Our whole body, our whole lifestyle has been compensating for the weight. But listen... Whenever you have that, that, that shackle, when you have that weight, you are in many instances, you are limiting, of course, the, 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 the expanse that you can walk, but you are limiting from what I can gather from Scripture. You're limiting also perhaps your inheritance. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11 and verse number 24, if you can have that up there for me today, and I'm just turning into it this morning. If you want to use your Bibles, that's fine. I don't have none of them marked in my Scripture or written out on paper here today. But in Deuteronomy 11 and verse number 24, the Bible states these words. It says, every place, Moses speaking from the Lord to the people, every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Shackled feet have a measured gait. Shackled feet have a shortened stride. And so again, it takes more movement to cover the same amount of ground as one that is unshackled. Amen. Stalked feet, stalked feet, fettered feet, weighed down feet, if I can say it like this, folks, absolutely limits your inheritance. It limits what can be yours. I don't know if I'm just speaking in, in Proverbs this morning, but it, it limits what can be yours. I know sometimes we think in this journey we are living the life. Man, we're living it up. Man, I have everything that I ever wanted. Have everything I ever wanted. Perhaps you've had everything that you could only see because your, your journey has been stymied by the weight that is upon your soul, by the weight that is upon your body, by the weight 
that is upon your mind. Amen. God has so much more of an expanse of land for you. So much more for you beyond, if you will, a house and three cars and two children that are being reared in a, in a good school and having a fine job with appropriate money, taking three vacations a year. God has so much more than just that type of inheritance. There's more out there, but you can't get there because you're too weighed down. Your manner of walk, your manner of walk, the, your system of life has just compensated and made you just fall into this, this mode, if you will, of the normalcy of the world's life. But God God has so much more for you. The enemy of your soul would like to, to stymie your inheritance, keep you from receiving everything that is yours. But if you will just somehow, amen, just give yourself unto the Lord, you can break free from the weight, you can break free from the consequences, uh, amen, of that weight, and you can walk and you can travel the length, the height, the depth of it all and see everything that God has for your life. There's more to it. There's more to it than money. There's been too many rich men die in their grave and say, I just, I just don't know if I truly ever found happiness or the meaning of life. I'll tell you why. Because they went into the coffin with a shackle on their foot. They went into their coffin with a major gate that was... Someone say amen. Because if you have stalked feet, it will limit your inheritance. Because everywhere the sole of your foot goes, that will be yours. But you can only go so far and only so far a distance with a measured gait until you'll tire out. You will tire out. Someone say amen. amen. Job may have not been aware of any sin. But he did seemingly sense some type of weight or sense like he was being punished. Although he may not have had, per se, any sin that the Scripture speaks to us of. The Bible says in Isaiah 52 and verse number 7, Speaking about the walking or the feet, if you will, of a herald. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, it's also mentioned in the New Testament as well. But Isaiah 52 and verse number 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Isaiah is speaking here prophetically. Isaiah is saying that there I see in a vision per se a, a, a time that there is going to become come a herald or somebody a messenger going to be coming on the mountains and basically going to be telling God's people listen here uh, you can go back to Jerusalem you can go back to that country because they're living during a time that they are in captivity. They're living during the time in which, as the Bible tells us, uh, Zedekiah, Manasseh, Jehoiakim, all of them had been taken into Babylon with fetters upon their feet. He says there's going to come a time, though, and it's not going to be a time that, that is ugly or gruesome or despair. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beautiful. There's not going to be anything more beautiful than in that hour seeing a messenger come from Babylon that is a child of Jerusalem that's running 
on the mountains and saying, listen, today we got freedom. We can go back home. He says, because as it is with captivity for 70 years, nobody's doing any running. Nobody's traveling that distance because of the circumstances of their life. They are under bondage. They are under captivity. They got weights upon their ankles. They got weights upon their feet. Their gait is measured. They would not be able to do that. He said, but someday I'm seeing a people that is free of a measured gait. I'm seeing people that's going to be free of any weights upon their ankles or upon their feet. And they're going to come running saying, listen here, we are free. And he says, it's going to be beautiful in that moment because they're going to bring good tidings of their freedom. And they're going to be able to go back home with the stride that the Lord has put in their lives and on their lives. See, we, here's the fact, folks. We don't walk like other people walk. We don't walk like other people walk. And the reason being is because we've been set free of the weight that's been placed upon our feet. Yes, absolutely get rid of the sin, but you've got to also get rid of the weight. And the only way that you'll get rid of the weight, normally you knew how to walk with the weight. The only way you'll learn how to walk without the weight is to walk without the weight. I know that, that that's very deep and very profound. But the only way you'll learn to walk without the weight is to walk without the weight. Because the only way you learn to walk with the weight is because you walked with. I don't know how much more deep I can get for you. But there's people that, 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 that arrive in the life of the church and, and they're constantly going through that spell of reverting back to what has become a norm for them. They do. It, it puzzles me at times, but yet, then at the same time, I have somewhat of an understanding about it. Because that's all they've known. That's what is their normal. That's what their life has been made up of. The Lord wanted His children of Israel to know that even whenever they were taken and down in Egypt, in Leviticus, He told them, He said, don't walk, don't walk in the manners of, of them don't walk after the manner of them don't don't assume their gait don't assume their stride don't don't walk the way that they walk and the only way Israel that you can do that is you got to keep the weight off your feet you got to keep the weight off your ankles God is a very liberating God amen and I'm not here to tell us this morning the way things are is the way things are always going to be for your life I'm not here to tell you the gloom and doom and despair to tell you this morning that I know you've been searching for something different, but I'm sorry, there's nothing different. You're just stuck with what you got. If I were here to stay today and say there's no change, there's no possibility of change, I'd be lying to you. If I would talk to some of you that's been in church for five years, that's having a hard time walking without the weight and telling you, you know what, you just need to hang up your harp on the willow somewhere because it's never going to happen for you. It's not going to take place. I'd be lying to you. There is the possibility of a different walk for you this morning there is the possibility of a new way of life there is the possibility of being able to walk without weight amen have because listen I, I, I know I'm hitting all these things over and over and over again but God wants you to go further than what you're going God wants you to go further than what you're going God has more planned for you than what you have planned for yourself if you're dependent upon your own plans they are only going to go so far because those are plans that are weighed down by weights but if you depend upon God, 
God. He has places to take you that you cannot take yourself with the weights of the world, with the weights of society. Amen. Oh, Brother McGee, but you don't understand. This is my fourth marriage and I've been addicted to prescription drugs for six number of years and I've had this and I've had that. That's all right. Let God give you a new normal this morning. Let Someone say amen. He, the devil is a limiter. The devil is a limiter. He wants to limit your family. He wants to limit your vision. He wants to limit your success. He wants to limit your eternity. He wants to limit your family. He wants to limit your life lived. He wants to be less than what you can have. There's been too many already die that did not live up to the potential that God had for them because they were carrying around the way. God wants to give you a new normal today. You'll stand with me this morning. I'll come to a close. And so the scripture says in Hebrews 12 and 1 to lay aside the way and the sin which so easily beset us that we may run with what? Patience. Patience. Another word for patience here is consistency. Consistency. Listen to me. University of Tokyo, Tokyo University in Japan, did a study and said that people who are regular runners, that run regularly, have that as a practice of their life, have a more, this I think goes to the reason, but have a more consistent stride than non-runners. In other words, if you're a runner and you go out and run, your stride in each step is going to be very close to the same because running is a practice in your life. Rather than somebody that six months says, well, you know, I think I'm going to go run. <laughs> you go run, you have that type of person out and run, you know what, their pace is all over the place. They slow down the speed up, slow down the speed up. And then all that influences with how far their steps are being taken or how far they're not. It's all over the map. But if you are a runner, you have a consistent stride. All right? They say over the course or the length of a run that runners exhibit less variation in their stride than non-runners. Meaning, if you have somebody that does this every day, they run. So their stride, that, that, that step that they take when they run is consistent. Not only that, even if they're running longer, the stride is less likely to decrease. It stays consistent. But it's the non-runners. It's the ones that say, I'm going to do it on Monday through Friday, and they end up doing it Monday and then Wednesday. and Probably two weeks from them do it again. That their stride isn't the same with every step in their run and they can't run very far without inconsistency because they just don't run every day someone say amen listen they say that 
is this okay this morning? I know this is outside of my norm. And I'm honestly really uncomfortable coming here today with this. And they say that a person that is consist- a consistent runner can eventually bring variety to the run, meaning they can run on the track, they can run on dirt. They can run uphill, they can run on flatlands. They can run longer amounts or shorter amounts. They can change up the variety if they first, listen to me, if they first get the consistency down. In other words, they said, you can run a variety of places, terrain, weather conditions. Don't try to start do that on day one. But first work on getting your consistency down. First work on getting that stride constant. First work on getting that stride just constant, whether it's long or short. And then go run uphill. And then go run whenever the weather rain's falling. Or when it's winter and that cold air is filling your lungs. Then go do that. But don't try to do that till you get your run consistent. He said, lay aside, lay aside the weight and the sin. You got to lay aside the weight in order to be able to run with patience. You got you to lay aside the weight in order to be able to run consistently. Amen. And so here's what I'm telling anybody that's ever struggling with anything of the past. Listen to Pastor this morning. There's some that's tried to run uphill when they've not yet got the run consistent. There's some that various forms, if you will, of the environment of church life has hit you and it's messed you up because you hadn't got your run consistent. Your focus needs to be this. Let me just practice getting a good stride down. And let me do it Monday. Because I can't get it consistent if I don't do it. Let me get my, you know, Monday run down. I do some running. I've done running in the mornings. I look at my time whenever I'm done. You know what's pretty consistent. Because I, I, don't, I don't try to go be a marathoner or anything like that, if that's such a word, marathoner. I don't try to go be that, but I just go run. I might even call it a jog. But I've grown consistent enough. I, it's about in the same time. And the reason being, man, I'm off the horse right now because whenever it gets cold, cold tell you one day I got this side number one day I was running and it was in the it was in the 20s low 20s and I just got on a hoodie that's it well pants and shoes I don't have to go through the whole story do I <laughs> I tell you what I rescue a cactus at 110 degrees out in Texas no I, I mean <laughs> and I was running and I have a path that I run there around our, our neighborhood and I got up there by the school and it was so cold, Brother Fred. I didn't have anything on my face except my glasses. I've run with glasses. I didn't have anything on my face. I think my face is just going numb. And by the time I got up to the front of the school, I couldn't feel the air going in my nose. I, I, no, I'm serious, fuck. I could not feel the air going in my nose. And so I couldn't get a breath. I'm serious. I couldn't feel the air. And so I stopped and walked home. That was scary. I told my wife, I'm not, I'm not running below 32 degrees anymore. But I get to a place, man, Whenever I first started all this, man, I hurt. Oh, I hurt. God, I hurt. And I'd start thinking, man, I'm getting older. Yes, you can accept that. <laughs> I said, man, I'm getting older and all these things. But whenever I continued to do it, after all, I thought, you know what? 
I might be 38 years old. I can do this. It had nothing to do with my age. It had everything to do with my discipline. This is not you can or can't deal. Go watch your season of Biggest Losers. It's not about you can or can't. It's about discipline. And it's about getting consistent with it to where you get a consistency in your stride. And you can run in the winter. You can run in the summer. I run up hills. I run on flatlands. I mostly run on asphalt. But what happens is you will never do any of that. Don't start to go run up Heartbreak Hill somewhere. If you've not learned how to just be consistent with a normal run. And here's the fact of the matter, folks. There's going to be things happen in church. There's going to be things happen in church life. There's going to be the environment of storms that's going to assail you. And many times what can somehow deem our success or failure is how consistent of a run do we have whenever it's not storm. Let's close our eyes in this place this morning. Father, I love you. There may be people right here under the sound of my voice this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.